On this week's pod, we're breaking down week eight of the NFL, including trade deadline moves and big injury news, and we're giving out some mid-season awards. We're also looking at the first couple weeks of the NBA season with the Heat and Bulls off to hot starts, and then we're wrapping up the pod with some college football, a recap of last week's top matchups, and a live reaction to the first college football rankings released of the season. All that and more on this week's pod. And Manning's gonna need one. Is oh, there's a flag. Back to one-handed catch. Box back out to Allen. History pile of Pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. This is hard. James. Sideline. Touchdown. Unbelievable. What's going on, guys? And welcome to pod number nine of the crew sports pod make sure to check us out on twitter at crew sports pod i'm michael akeem joined here always by vito patel how you doing vito i'm doing great how are you michael doing well doing well so today since we always record on tuesdays we got the first college football playoff ranking coming out but since it's actually not out yet they'll be coming out later so we're gonna do college football a little later when those come out, we'll get like a live first impression of them. Yeah, first take. <laughs> oh, that's already taken. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we're going to start out this time with some NFL news. And so today was the trade deadline. It was kind of quiet compared to you know recent years, like a regular year. Not too much going on. Von Miller got traded to the Rams for 2022 second and third round picks. The Chiefs get Melvin Ingram from the Steelers for a six-round pick next year. And then Mark Ingram heads back to the Saints from the Texans for undisclosed late-round picks. I, mean, I think the big one uh, is going to be definitely Juan Miller to the Rams. I don't think he's as good as, obviously, Super Bowl MVP Juan Miller. But adding him to that pass rush, yeah, that defense is already really good. And the Rams, uh, I mean, they keep trading away their draft picks, it seems like, every year to get another big man. So, like, I mean, they're going all in. So, I think they're looking to win this year, like, this year in 2021. Yeah, when I saw this, I was surprised they even still had picks. But, yeah, I mean, I love the trade. The Rams are just even better. That D-line is going to be scary. And I think it's the same thing with the Chiefs getting Melvin Ingram. Like, yeah, he's past his prime. But, I mean, the Chiefs need all the help they can get on defense. And I think it's good bringing in a veteran. Chiefs defense looked horrible, so definitely a good move on them. And they're still, believe it or not, probably still in win now mode. A lot of injuries in week eight, too, made the headlines. Uh, or one of the biggest ones, Jameis is done for the year. He tore his ACL last week. And so it looks like Simeon is going to be the starter for the Saints moving forward, not Taysom Hill. Dak last week didn't play. He came up, he warmed up. It looked like he was going to play, and then last minute they decided to pull him. They decided to sit him, but they still came away with a win. Uh, Cooper Rush looked pretty good. And then also in that game, at the very end, Trayvon Diggs sprained his ankle, but I read some reports. I think he's going to be back next week, not too big. Kyler Murray also sprained his ankle, and they said he's day-to-day, and hopefully it doesn't look like he's going to miss too much time. In other news, Calvin Ridley stepping away from football for a little bit to focus on his mental health. And then other quarterbacks that got hurt, Sam Darnold left the game with a concussion. And Zach Wilson, they said he should be at practice some point in week 10. 
And then Robert Tunyon in Green Bay towards ACL is done for the year. And then probably the biggest one, I said the biggest one for last, Derrick Henry might be out for the year. He's going to be undergoing foot surgery. And in his place, the Titans signed former MVP Adrian Peterson. That is no, that is definitely the biggest news. Henry is like the most physically imposing running back I've pretty much ever seen. So losing him for the year would be crazy. But it'd be even crazier to see Adrian Pearson come back and have a huge NFL year too. I I don't think that happens. But I mean, in general, a lot of those, a lot of those injuries are devastating, uh, especially Jameis on the Saints but after they look good. My take on the Derrick Henry being out for the year, or well, they said if he'll be out for the year or they make a playoff run if he could come back. But assuming he can come back like sometime in the playoffs or right before the playoffs, I think this is not good, but I think it would be good for the Titans. Like Adrian Peterson is a veteran guy. He's smart. He's done it for so long and they have a good offensive line. Like that's half of the run game, right? So I think the run game is still going to be good. It's not going to be the best in the league like it is now. Yeah. And they're not going to have a 100-yard rusher like guaranteed almost every week. I think their run game is still going to be able to do enough. And I think now, because you don't have you know the best running back in the league, they're going to focus on their passing more, and they're going to rely on it more. And I think they have weapons. They have a decent quarterback. I think their passing game is going to develop, and it's going to be pretty good. So when Derrick Henry comes back, if their passing game is better, because like, they couldn't just sit back and rely on him, they had to go work on their passing game. Oh, then I'm really scared of the Titans. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, this week, the Julio didn't play against the Colts, and it looks like A.J. Brown keeps getting better and better. Uh, I think Tannehill is starting to get more comfortable, too. So I totally agree. If the passing game gets better with their young receivers outside of uh, Julio, uh, I think I think this Titans team is going to be really scary on offense. They're already pretty good. That's what I'm saying. If they can get the passing game to be, like, a fraction of how good their run game is, and, I mean, they have the weapons to do it, too. Uh, but looking back at the games last week, what was your game of the week? Uh, it was just that game I was talking about, the Titans and the Colts. You were talking about me picking the Colts last week, but uh, I was close. I was close. It, it was close. The Colts were up 14-0. And uh, all around, they, they, they seemed very dominant at the beginning of the game. And... AJ Brown absolutely balled out, had like those 10 receptions for 155 yards. But the biggest thing was like he broke tackles, he made plays, and all around they just found a way to win in overtime, even though they were down for a good chunk of the game, especially that big deficit early in the game. Yeah, and the Colts defense held Derrick Henry pretty well too. Yeah. I became a Colts fan for those few hours, <laughs> man. I was oh and when Carson Wentz threw that like pick six at like the two yard line, I, I lost it. That that was insane. Yeah. I thought I thought I, they had it, man. The, I mean I thought the Titans won right then and there, but uh yeah, the Colts still uh you know managed to force overtime. But yeah, all around just an amazing game and this is exactly what you're talking about. I think the Titans could really do well when they pass the ball too, and they're gonna have to do that a lot more now that Derrick Henry's gone. See, I was gonna pick that one as my game of the week, like going into overtime, and it was pretty high scoring. It was still fun, but I had to go with the Thursday night game, Packers Cardinals, in which the Packers oh, the that Cardinals was the first loss of the year. Yeah, I just had to go down. It was a good game. Packers ended up winning twenty four twenty one, and the Packers ran the ball great. They had to kind of with how many receivers they had out. Like their top two or three receivers were all out. But the Cardinals still didn't play like bad, I guess. 
they kind of beat themselves. So, like, I'm not too worried for the Cardinals moving forward. They're also a good Green Bay team. They had three turnovers, including, like, a muff punt that gave the Packers the ball inside the five. Uh, they had another interception that gave the Packers the ball, like, the 15. And then the potential game-winning touchdown where, like, A.J. Green's controller turned off and the Packers got a pick there. So, with all that being said, the defense kind of – the defense kept the game close. I mean, what I really got out of it as watching the game, it seemed like the Packers pretty much had control for most of the game. I was surprised how close it literally could have been won by the Cardinals, too, despite them playing so bad with all the mistakes they made. Even, and they continue making mistakes the last second. I mean, Packers had the ball for almost two thirds of that game, too. Like, Cardinals still stuck and had a few good drives at the end. Yeah, I'm not concerned with the Cardinals either. I think they're going to be okay moving forward. So this week, we're about halfway through the year. There's no like exact halfway through the year now that we have an odd number of games. So instead of the rank it this week, we're doing mid-season awards. We got MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, Defense Player of the Year, Offensive and Defensive Rookie of the Year, Comeback Player of the Year, Coach of the Year. Just the usual awards. Uh, let's start with MVP. We got... Oh, I, no, I love this, by the way. I love this idea. My MVP mid-season right now, it has to be Kyler Murray. Uh, I mean, he led this team to 7-0 start. It would be 8-0, like you said, if A.J. Green... I don't even know what A.J. Green was thinking, but that could have easily been a touchdown. He would have had one more touchdown on his resume and one less interception and one more dub, all in like a couple of seconds. But yeah, he's having a monster season, 72% of his passes complete, and he's the quarterback of a team that could be 8-0 right now, one play away from it. Who's your MVP? If the season ended right now... I'd be giving the MVP, same division, but Matt Stafford. Okay. Almost 2,500 yards, 22 touchdowns, both good for second. He's got a quarterback rating of 118, and they're also 7-1. And and he's leading one of the best teams in football right now. Like, between the Cardinals and the Rams, those are two teams that you got to be scared of. They're so good offensively and defensively. But Matt Stafford just came in and taking the Rams team from, like, you know, an average, maybe playoff, like fringe playoff team to like easy contenders. Yeah. No, I mean, Stafford's having a really good year too. And honestly, they have the same record. So I, I would somewhat agree, but the head to head Kyler has dub. That's true. Uh, What about offensive player of the year? So not the same, but, and I really hate to say this, but I'm going to have to go with Tom Brady this year. Uh, Believe it or not, even though as old as he's getting, he leads the NFL in both passing yards and touchdowns. And, like, it's not really that close to touchdowns. He's leading that by three touchdowns. And I was thinking about it, uh, especially now that there's 17 games, he's on pace to break Peyton Manning's record for most passing touchdowns in a season. And he's, like, well over 40 now. That's crazy. That is, yeah. So I think Tom Brady has to be my offensive player of the year. I went with Derrick Henry. I mean, I don't think this is not like a prediction, obviously, because he's going to miss time. So I don't think he's going to. But if it ended this past week, Derrick Henry's got almost a thousand rushing yards already. He's obviously in first and he's 300 yards above second, who is Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, He's also first in touchdowns. He's got 10 rushing touchdowns. Five of his eight games this year, he had over 100 yards and he almost had 200 in one of them. So. I was thinking about Derrick Henry, too, but uh, a little help to TB12, but him being this old definitely helps me put him up here. It was a little biased in that regard. 
Yeah, Tom Brady actually, like, statistically and just, like, watching him, I don't know how he's still doing it. It makes no sense. <laughs> he's had so many four-touchdown games. Like, his all-time touchdown record is not getting touched for a while. Yeah, oh, for sure. I don't think it ever gets broken. It's, like, one of those unbreakable records. Because, first of all, we don't even know when he's going to retire. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He could keep playing and make it, like, super unbreakable. <laughs> Let's go on to Defensive Player of the Year. I feel like you might have the same one, but... Yeah, I think so. I got to go with Trayvon Diggs. Yeah, me too. Seven interceptions and two pick sixes. Like, he's on pace to break the NFL record for picks in a season, but, like, it was just an anomaly. I doubt he hits 14 picks in the year. But still, seven interceptions is so unheard of this early in the season. A six-plus interception season is because they're elite, in my opinion. And for him to already have seven halfway through the season and two of them for six, yeah, Trayvon Diggs. Yeah, for a while, him and Stefan were tied for touchdowns, which is pretty crazy considering he plays defense. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I had him too. This past week against Minnesota was his first week without an interception. Wow. So that's, yeah. And then his passer rating when targeted, or I guess opposing quarterbacks passer rating when targeting digs is 43.9. So that's pretty low. Dang, yeah. I definitely think he plays on the aggressive side to get picks. So sometimes he gets burned. Like there was that, that ending to the New England game. Yeah, I remember it's that. just like the, the first example that comes to my mind, yeah. But seven picks halfway through the season, yeah. Like you said, that's that's on pace for something crazy. Exactly. Rookies of the year. Let's do offensive first. Okay, and I'm, I'm also assuming this is going to be the same, but I got to give it to Jamar Chase. Yeah, it had to be. I don't think the, there was no one else that even like came to mind. Yeah, exactly. Like I didn't even have to do any research on this one. I was like, it's Jamar. I mean, yeah, he's insane. Uh, he already has seven touchdowns and a 200-yard game, and he's barely played any games in the NFL, obviously. And he's on pace to also break Justin Jefferson's receiving yards in a season for a rookie, which was just last year. And I remember at LSU, Jamar Chase was wide receiver one, and Justin Jefferson was wide receiver too. So I was kind of thinking, dang, if Justin Jefferson had this record, I wonder what Jamar's going to do. Well, it seems like he might even pass Jefferson up. That's true. We should have seen this coming. <laughs> I just think it was funny coming into the year when he made that comment in preseason about, oh, the NFL balls have the white stripes, so it was hard to track or whatever. And everyone's like, oh, this guy's going to be horrible. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. Like you said, I mean, he's averaging 98 yards a game. Almost 100 yards a game with 17 games in the year. That's close to 1,700 yards is what he's on pace for. And you said seven touchdowns. You know, all other rookie receivers combined have six. No way. Dang, I didn't even know that. Wow. (laughs) So, yeah, I thought that one was easy. Yeah. Defensive, though, I have a prediction. Of who I'm going to have? Of who (laughs) Yeah, I have a feeling. No, you, Is it Jock? Yeah, you're, you're right. It's, I'm giving it to Jock. <laughs> I know he he was injured, so he's missed a few games. Uh, but I'm gonna base this off the PFF rating that I I don't know how good the Pro Football Focus ratings are or grades are, but I liked how they said he was the highest ranked rookie defender. And yeah, in his little time, he was actually the highest ranked linebacker for a couple games too, which is insane for coming from a rookie and. He's played extremely well in those five games, having 29 tackles and just having some nice tackles for loss and big hits. And a lot of bias here, too, as a Notre Dame fan. I got to give it to Jock. Jeremiah Usakuromoa. I had a feeling you were going to go Jock. He was definitely one of the ones that I considered, but similar position. I went Micah Parsons. I love this guy. Heading into, like, draft season, 
like absolute monster. I mean, his combine was crazy too. He's so fast. He's got 42 tackles on the year, two and a half sacks, and seven tackles for loss, which is pretty good. Uh, I mean, they've played a middle linebacker and edge. He does good in both, and he's taken this Cowboys defense from like pretty bad to like mediocre. That's pretty good for a rookie. Michael has been insane this year too, but my bias wants me to pick against him. But he's he's insane, and he pretty much replaced the past version of Jalen Smith, so it makes me kind of not like him a little more too. That's true. I think. Coming into the season, like out of the defensive rookies, I think Micah Parsons was kind of expected to be like this good. And his play has kind of solidified it. I think Jock, though, has exceeded expectations. Yeah, that's true too. Micah Parsons was expected to be an absolute beast. But, I mean, he still exceeded what people thought this early in his career. That's true. Oh, I've I've liked watching him. I loved him coming into the draft. Uh, Comeback player of the year. Honestly, I thought there was only one real contender for this one Dak Prescott yeah yeah he missed the game but he had the Cowboys at five and one and honestly comeback uh isn't even just the impact he's had on his team he's had probably the best season he's ever had in his career so far this year complete 73 percent of his passes which is over five percent higher than even his like next closest and even missing one game if he could stay healthy the rest of the season and keep playing the way he is he could reach that famous 5,000 yard mark this year yeah, he's already got two games over 400 passing yards. That 73% completion rate that you mentioned is first among like quarterbacks that actually throw it a lot. And then I mean, 16 touchdowns, only four picks. The Cowboys are 6-1, and one, but he had him at 5-1. and one. He sat out this last game. But yeah, they looked bad without him last year. And like from the beginning, even though they lost week one to Tampa, he still looked good. The offense looked good. And this offense that puts up points, mostly because of him. What about coach of the year? This is always an interesting one. Yeah, and I hate to give it to him because I'm a Bears fan, but I'm going to give it to Matt LaFleur from the Green Bay Packers. Oh, uh, that's interesting. Yeah, the Packers are 7-1, and one, and actually, since they beat the Cardinals, they're the number one seed in the NFL altogether. And this is coming after uh, a loss to Saints 38-3 and also the big offseason drama. Like when I equate all that together, I'm like, okay, you hear about all this offseason drama with Rodgers. You don't even know if he's going to be on the team and like and whatever. And the first game they play, they just get absolutely destroyed. Yeah, opening week was ugly. Exactly. I'm like, okay, this team is bad this year. Then they turn around and win the next seven games, including a, get, a road <laughs> game against the undefeated team. So I'm going to give it to Matt LaFleur. I went with John Harbaugh. And the Ravens, so not quite the same, but they had a lot to deal with, especially right before the season. They're like top four running backs or something got hurt. They have 16 players on IR right now, which is the most in the NFL, including Ronnie Stanley, Marcus Peters, J.K. Dobbins, and Gus Edwards. They have to bring in a bunch of old vet running backs just to have people on the roster and with all that being said, all the injuries and everything, their offense is playing great. They put up a lot of points, and their defense is playing pretty well, too. And they're 5-2 and two in a pretty tough AFC North division. So, all right, those are our midseason awards. I mean, they definitely will change. Or I think, if, uh, I think I'm probably going to definitely stick with Jamar Chase the way he's playing. I don't think that's going to change. Uh, Dak Prescott's probably going to stay the same, too. I want to say the defensive player and offensive player year might change as well as the MVP. I think the MVP race is so wide open still. Yeah. Because you got you got Stafford, you got Murray, you got Tom Brady. Derrick Henry, maybe, if, if he didn't get hurt, 
Just because I think he was probably on pace to break the record, like with the extra game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he definitely probably was going to break that record for most rushing yards. He was pretty close last year. I'm moving on to week nine pick'em. So last week we both tied. Last week was tough, man. Oh, my God. Oh, it was it was a rough week. We both went seven and eight, and so overall now I'm still up four to two with two ties. Yeah, at least it's better than a loss. Uh, wow, so I think you went undefeated against me in all of October, Locktober, if you will. Yeah, November is a new month. <laughs> this week was hard too. There's some good matchups in the midseason. Uh, we'll start off with Thursday night. We got Jets in Indianapolis facing the Colts. Uh, me and you both got. Indianapolis. I mean, Jets had a crazy win last week. I don't know how they keep pulling off these random like upsets. Like they beat the Titans and the Bengals, who are both looking really good. Yeah, and for the Jets not looking so good, I don't know how they do it. Mike White threw for four hundred and five yards, and did you see that better? No, what happened? So some guy put a thousand dollars that Mike White was going to lead the NFL in passing. No way. And he threw for 405 yards, and that guy made $125,000. Sheesh. How, what, what do you makes people think that that was going to happen? <laughs> like, <laughs> He went with the biggest payout for all the quarterbacks. It definitely had to be Mike White. That's the definition of, like, literally the definition of a Hail Mary. <laughs> like, there's no way that happened. I don't know. I just keep doing crazy things, but not this week. We got Colts. Uh, a lot of close games on Sunday, though. We'll start off with Cleveland at Cincinnati. You have been riding high with Cleveland. You continue to do so over this one, but I'm going with the Cincinnati bounce back. I feel like Cleveland needs a whole bounce back for all the times they lost. I think Cincinnati is really good, but I also think uh, they've kind of overperformed. I think uh, Cleveland will come into Cincinnati and take that away from them. They need a divisional win anyways. My thinking was more like, the Bengals' defense has been doing a lot better than expected. And in recent weeks, I know it's because of injuries and stuff, but Cleveland's offense has been has been struggling a little bit. And I think they're going to have a hard time keeping up with the Bengals' offense because Joe Burrow and our offensive rookie of the year, Jamar Chase, are not slowing down. Uh, I, I think Cleveland might show some firepower, though. The NFL is so unpredictable, so who knows? And, yeah, divisional game, it's literally a toss-up. Yeah. Next, we got Denver at Dallas. We both agree on Dallas taking that one. I think Dak should be back for that game. And, I mean, that offense is just too good. Next, we got Houston at Miami. Another one where we differ. I got Houston, and you got the Dolphins. Dolphins have been really bad this year, I'm not going to lie. But... So is Houston. Yeah, so is Houston, too. So it helps. Uh, but they've shown signs that they could play really close with some good teams. And, they have some talent. I think they get it done at home. And yeah, like you said, Houston's not the best team in the world either. I mean, yeah, I think this is just a toss-up. So <laughs> I feel that's fair enough. Yeah, I'll go with Houston. Uh, Atlanta at New Orleans. I think this is going to be close just because of the quarterback situation in New Orleans. But we both are confident that they figured it out. We both got the Saints winning that one. Next, we got Vegas at New York Giants. You love your Giants. <laughs> hey, man, I was... Oh, yeah, wait, no, I didn't pick them last week. I picked them the week before. Yeah, 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 yeah you were right the week before. No, for sure, I mean, uh, but anyways, I don't know. I, I still don't like the Giants, and 
at this point, I'm starting to be proven wrong a lot. But I think the Raiders are a very good team, and Carr's gotten much better. Vegas is coming off a bye, and the Giants, even with all their injuries, they were pretty close to the Chiefs. Chiefs had a field goal in the last minute to win last week on Monday night, but got Saquon coming back, and they have like four receivers hurt. They might get a couple receivers back. This is my upset. This is my upset of the week that I'm picking. Yeah, that's true. Giants are sneaky good. Yeah, and I like their defense, even though they also have a lot of injuries on the defensive side of the ball. They still force takeaways against the Chiefs, and holding the Chiefs to 17 points is not easy. No, that's actually true. The Giants are sneaky good, but still, I'm still riding high with the Raiders. No, because the Raiders have looked good, too. Next few picks we have in common. We both got New England over Carolina, Buffalo over Jacksonville, which... I'm more scared of this game than I should be, I think. Because every player that has gone on the Peyton and Eli broadcast on Monday Night Football has lost. <laughs> Travis Kelsey was on in week one during the broadcast, and they lost week two to the Ravens. Russell Wilson lost to the Titans. Gronk lost to the Rams the week after. Stafford lost to the Cardinals the week after. And then Tom Brady was on it last week, and then this week they lost to the Saints. So Josh Allen was on it this past week, and next week we play the Jags. If we lose the Jags, I'll cry. <laughs> yeah, the Jags are pretty bad. <laughs> I was going to say the Jags is the worst team in football, but it might be the Lions now, just because somehow they just don't know how to win. Yeah, I was going to say, Lions will find a way to lose. They seem to perform worse the worse their team is. The worse the opponent is, the worse they play. Basically, they just play a little worse or a lot worse than their opponents. If their opponent is bad, they'll play a lot worse. If their opponent is good, they'll just play a little worse than their opponent is and still find a way to lose. They're the best team at losing the NFL. Yeah, good week for Detroit fans. They're on bye. <laughs> I hope they win that one. The last 1 o'clock game, we both got Baltimore over Minnesota. And then heading into the afternoon, we both got Chargers over the Eagles. Oh, Green Bay at Kansas City. I'm going with Green Bay, staying hot. You going with Kansas City? Yeah, I hate the Packers. That's pretty much most of my logic That's there. That's uh, and I feel like if the Chiefs are going to be serious about making a run this year, they got to win big games. And I think this is a good time, especially uh, now that people doubt them after that close win against the Giants. And the Chiefs got a tough stretch of games coming up. Like, they had to win against the Giants Monday Because next, they're playing Packers this week. Then they're playing Raiders and the Cowboys week after. So they're going to need this game. Like you said, this would be an important game for them to establish themselves as contenders. But, I mean, the way Green Bay's playing, they just knocked off, like, probably the, the number one team in the power rankings in Arizona without a lot of their receivers. Man, Green Bay's just good right now. Yeah, I'm scared about picking this one. But nah, Chiefs got this. <laughs> confidence. I like your, your confidence. Uh, how confident are you with this pick? Arizona at San Francisco. I'm going with the Cardinals, and you're going with the 49ers. I think you did this. Did you pick them the, the first time these two teams played? Yeah, I did. And that, that game was close. <laughs> I, I thought 49ers as a divisional opponent would play them close, and they did. Uh, yeah. But this time it's in San Francisco, and uh, I think they're a little more healthy than they were before in Jimmy G's back. And Jimmy G had a good game against my Bears, so I'm going to go with the 49ers at home. Yeah, I think Trey Lance played when they when these two teams met in Arizona, right? Yeah, yep. Yeah, so oh, you think Jimmy G makes a difference? Yeah, in home field. <laughs> I mean, it's a divisional game. I always think divisional games are way closer than they should be. Exactly. Yeah, they hate each other, and they know each other. But, I mean, Cardinals bounce back next week. 
And then Sunday night, Sunday night, this is a good game. Tennessee at the LA Rams, but we both got the Rams. I think Tennessee, it's going to take a little bit for them to learn how to rely on their pass game as opposed to their run game. They got to change their identity a little bit. I think it might take a week or two. And yeah, their first game against the Rams, not going to work out well without Henry. Yeah, that's that's not a good game to, to figure yourself out. Monday night, ooh, the Bears got a prime time this week. Chicago at Pittsburgh. But we both got Pittsburgh. Yeah, I'm fading the Bears. Uh, they're rebuilding. I know it for sure now. Given though, uh, even though I picked them last week, Eddie Jackson, David Montgomery, and uh, Khalil Mack were all out. So like those are three big players for the Bears. So missing those three definitely hurt us. But still, I don't think many of them are getting healthy this week either. So definitely Pittsburgh. Yeah, because like last week, I thought Justin Fields played pretty well, especially that crazy touchdown run. That's... Yeah, he, he went. He broke so many tackles. He went Derrick Henry mode. Yeah, <laughs> but the defense did not look great. No, yeah. And... I think your offense is still progressing a little bit, but the defense took a step back. And maybe it was because, like you said, all those injuries, that might be a part of it. I think, yeah, the defense is just too injured to play well. And like, yes, the offense is progressing, but they're still not there to score with any of the good teams. And, well, Pittsburgh's defense is pretty good, too. So, And their offense, their line has been getting a little better. Like, the, the last couple of games, they've been able to put up points. So, you need your defense to step up, too. And then this week, we got Detroit, Seattle, Tampa, and Washington are on by. All right, moving on to the NBA. Another good week of basketball. Looking at the standings, I think we're both pretty proud of this. The Bulls lead the East. And the Heat are a half game back. They're at Bulls six and one, Heat five and one. Then one and two seed. No, I was looking at it too. I was like, wow, you must be happy being a Heat fan, but I'm thrilled being a Bulls fan because yeah. I, I knew we were going to be good, but I didn't really think this good. Both teams off to a hot start for sure. And like Bulls only lost though was by one point to the Knicks. And then I was like, okay, yeah, I guess Bulls are good because they beat bad teams that couldn't really beat good teams. And they go ahead and beat the only undefeated team left in the NBA, the Jazz. And the following game beat the Celtics on the road. So Bulls have been insane. And uh, DDR is the most impressive of those of the big four. He leads the team in scoring. Well, he's tied with Zach, which, funny enough, they're both averaging 25.6 points. Having two 25-plus points per game score is insane. And, like, I thought the other one who's going to score 25-plus was probably going to be, like, Nikola Vucevic, who's already done that before. But, like, DDR turned the clock back and went back to his Raptors days because he's putting up 25 a game now. I like DDR. Perfect mid-range guy. And, I mean, you guys got scores at all three levels, so I'm sure that helps on offense. For the Heat, though, I've been watching their games. Best defense in the NBA, or I guess in terms of ratings. They got the best defensive rating in the NBA at 95.1. Fourth best offensive rating at 111.6. And they've been crazy good on the glass. Overall, like best rebound percentage and then best on defense, third best on offense. And on offense, we got three players averaging over 20 a game. You got Butler at 25.3 and Bam at 20.6. And then Tyler Hero averaging 22 off the bench. I mean, he doesn't get, he doesn't get bench minutes, but he comes off the bench. This is starting to look more like the team that uh, made that big playoff run. And uh, Duncan's still doing his thing. Butler's the alpha for sure. Bam is rebounding and defending. Like, this is this was the team that made it to the finals a couple years ago. Like, uh, I felt like Hero took a big step back last year, but it seems like this he's going back to his ways. He starts off every game so hot. Oh, my God. Like, he's been shooting great. 
it's just insane, yeah. Because that team was so scary back then. Like they just swept to the East, and like the he beat the Lakers without like Bam a game, and like that was that was crazy. So yeah, no, this is this is insane. And if you, you guys already have that chemistry, and that team already had that big run, so I mean, it'll be cool to see. And I mean, the addition of Kyle Lowry, it takes so much off of Butler. Like it takes all the distribution responsibilities off of Butler. So he doesn't have to like sit there and run the point. He just does his thing. And then I would say PJ Tucker has definitely been a great addition, especially for their having like the identity of a defensive team. Bam and Butler and Lowry and PJ Tucker are all like known for playing good defense. And then Hero and Duncan who teams kind of picked on on the wings. They worked on their defense over the offseason. And I mean, I'm not going to say they're they're not like great and amazing, but they can each hold their own now. So that's awesome. Uh, I saw that Butler's number two in the NBA so far in steals and Bam's number three in rebound. So yeah, defense is your guys' identity and your stars are leading by example. Both of our teams started off hot this year. So hopefully they can keep it going. Exactly. This is about to be a fun NBA season. Yeah, and then in the West, you got the Jazz and Warriors still leading the conference, each at 5-1. and one. Yeah, Jazz have looked really good. I mean, winning all their games other than Chicago. <laughs> Coming off from last year, Donovan and Clarkson, who had amazing uh, years last year, have been the leading scorers. But looking at the Jazz stat sheet, like, they have, again, like I was saying last year, too, they have five players averaging 13-plus on their team, like good distribution of their scoring, and they just play good team basketball. Yeah, and I think the Warriors are off to a hotter start than most people would have thought. I definitely thought they were going to get better as the year went on and as they got healthier, but they're not waiting for their players to come back. They're good now. now that, and that's just scary because adding Wiseman and Thompson to this mix is going to be insane and give so much depth on the bench. The one other stat that I recently saw that I thought was pretty interesting, SGA has the most ISO points in the league right now, like so far with 66. I thought that was pretty interesting. Wow. They had a huge comeback win against the Lakers, actually. I remember that. Yeah. That was their only win of the season, but that was crazy because the Lakers were absolutely destroying them. (laughs) Yeah. 20-plus points they came back. So in this category, or in this stat, second and third place are Harden and KD with 58 and 56, respectively. So the Nets play a lot of iso ball, which, I mean, when you got players like that, eh, no one can guard them. It might be less of the system and more of just the players. Yeah. One more interesting stat. I think you're going to like this. But average margin of victory per game, uh, that stat is actually led by the Miami Heat and all the NBA. You guys are winning your games on average by 17 points a game. And Bulls are third in that category. Eight points. Wow. Because Miami's only loss was to the Pacers, and that went to overtime. The Bulls' only loss was by one point to the Knicks, but... The thing is, even the Bulls' wins are very close, which I mean, which is good come playoff time that we can win close games. But like, we had close wins over the Jazz, close wins against the Pistons twice, I'd say, honestly. Like, the, our biggest margin of victory this season, I think, is 16 points. So we're playing fairly close games. No, the Heat also, talking about their defense, I think so. The Pacers went over 100 points because that game went to overtime. But the only other time a team has gone over 100 was the Grizzlies this past weekend and they got to 103 i mean they still lost by 26 but that was the only team to crack 100 points in regulation against miami so far this year all right moving on to some college football you had a few ranked matchups last week there's a lot of good games 
Uh, we'll start with probably the the biggest game of last week: Michigan versus Michigan State. I thought Michigan was gonna come out of East Lansing with a win, but uh, you were right. Michigan does not do very good in these big games. Yeah, I want to say I was right, but I I feel like I was pretty wrong too, because like. Michigan looked really good. Like, they looked like a complete football team on both sides of the ball. Yeah. Like, I'm still impressed. Uh, for the most part, most of Michigan State played bad. Not their running back. Kenneth Walker. Yes. This dude is legit. Like, we were talking about him in the Heisman talk, and I'll take a little pride to this. IU shut him down. But he's legit, though. He had five touchdowns. And almost 200 yards. He's insane. Yeah, I mean, just watching this game, like, Michigan was in control for most of it. Like, they were always up. It was close, but Michigan was always up, and they looked like they were going to win. And in the end, they just kind of they let Michigan State come back and win. I feel like that's, that's happened a lot, you know? Yeah, exactly. I feel like usually when Michigan plays Michigan State, Michigan's the better team, and somehow Michigan State just finds a way to beat them. I like the punt block return touchdown a few years ago. So yeah, Michigan State just has Michigan's number. And now Michigan State is the last unbeaten team in the Big Ten. I wonder how the playoff community will see that. Staying in the Big Ten, we had another top 25 matchup. We had Ohio State versus Penn State. And I think this one went not exactly as how I thought it'd go either. I thought Ohio State has been looking really good this year. And Penn State, who has not been looking that great recently, I thought Ohio State was going to dominate, but it was a pretty close game until the very end, and Penn State played very well. I saw Clifford and, and your man Dotson had really good games, but Penn State did not run it at all. And then on the other side, Ohio State, C.J. Stroud has been continuing to impress in his first year at Ohio State. Penn State played really good. Hats off to them, but Ohio State's offense is just crazy. And yeah, like you said, C.J. Stroud had a crazy game. And Trevion Henderson, the running back, had a really good game too. But I'm starting to really love the duo of, well, I mean, they have the big three in receivers. But the duo of lately that's been emerging, Jackson Smith and Jigba and Garrett Wilson, both those guys have just been going crazy as of late. Uh, I mean, Chris Olave is probably still wide receiver one, but I guess he demands a lot of attention. But the other two have been just destroying their matchups. And it makes sense. They're both five stars and super dominant. And whoever they go up against, they probably have the matchup. Yeah, no. Ohio State's offense, we talked about it a little bit last week. They're starting to click. But I would say in this game specifically, I think I was more impressed with the defense. Ohio State's defense scored a touchdown on like a fumble scoop and score. And then they had two other turnovers, a fumble and an interception that both put them in pretty good field position. So I think those mistakes on Penn State's offense – and capitalizing by Ohio State's defense is what flipped the game Ohio State's way in the end. That's true. And yeah, if, if that defense starts picking up too, oh no, that team's really tough to beat. Uh, moving on to some SEC matchups. We got Auburn versus Ole Miss. And I would say in this game, you know, after praising Ole Miss and previous weeks, I'm pretty impressed with Auburn. You know, it was pretty close. Auburn ended up winning uh, 31 to 20. And I would say. In this one as well, I was impressed with Auburn's defense. Especially that really strong uh, Ole Miss offense. Like, Matt Corral didn't even have a passing touchdown, which is insane, considering this guy is super explosive. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like there's something about Auburn. Playing Auburn on the road is, like, one of the toughest places to play. I don't know what it is, but Bama seems to lose there pretty often, too. I guess that holds true, too, to the other SEC power teams. In terms of, like, yards... Matt Corral still did his thing. He was close to 300 yards, but yeah, no touchdowns. He did run one in. He had one of his legs, but no, none through the air. Like, for as explosive as that Ole Miss offense is, I think Auburn did pretty good, holding him to 20 points. And for Auburn's offense, 
Bigsby had a great game. Another 140 yards, average 6.1 yards a carry. So that's pretty impressive. Take Bigsby. <laughs> what a man. <laughs> what a name. <laughs> Staying in the SEC, we talked a little bit last week about Georgia versus Florida. And we did not think that game was going to be close. And we were right. 34 to 7. It was a close, but I won't say one thing. I was watching the game live. It was it was really crazy. I I'm shooting in like five minutes left in the second second quarter. So it's only three nothing Georgia. I was like, wow, Florida's really good. And it's now two minutes left in the half. Florida fumbles the ball, and then Georgia scores a touchdown on the run. Next series, Florida throws an interception. First play, Georgia scores. Florida thinks they're gonna come back real quick, and then throws a pick six right before the half. Twenty one points in the final two minutes of the second quarter. And it quickly came in for 3 nothing. Georgia's 24-0 going to the half. That defense is insane. <laughs> they caused three takeaways to get them the lead. A big lead. Yeah, you cannot mess up around Georgia. Like, you can't do anything. Because, like, I'm looking at the stats right now. Total yards, exactly the same. 354 for Georgia, 355 for Florida. They both had a fumble and two picks. Like, the stat sheet is very similar. Okay, but the score is not close at all. No, that's so crazy, too, because the stats are pretty much exactly the same. It's just a position of where Georgia forced their takeaways versus where Florida forced their takeaways. And so it's just, yeah, Georgia is so opportunistic. And everything will seem close, and you'll just still get absolutely destroyed. No team has really played close to this Georgia team because they can't move the ball on the defense. And I think still the, the craziest part, they don't even have a lot of starters. Yeah, exactly. George Pickens and JT Daniels still are going to come back, hopefully, for them, I mean. That, yeah, that's, wow. Uh, last game I want to talk about, we had a shootout in South Bend under the lights. North Carolina came to Notre Dame. Notre Dame pulls out the victory 44-34, to 34, and there was about 1,100 yards of offense in this game. It's pretty back and forth and definitely fun to watch. It was such a fun game to watch. I will say shout out to Sam Howell. Like I knew he's supposed to be a top like first round NFL quarterback. I didn't really believe it, but after watching that game, he had three hundred plus passing yards and a hundred plus rushing yards. He was everywhere. Yeah, he did it all for North Carolina. Uh what are your takes on the game? Something that I was like happy about was Notre Dame was able to establish the run. Kyron had 199 yards, and I mean, his average is nine. I think I got pulled up a lot by that huge, like, 93-yard play. It looked like he was stopped in the backfield, and he pulled off a 93-yard touchdown. But, I mean, outside of that, I still think he ran pretty well. Over the past few weeks, every week, I feel like he's gotten a little bit better. Uh, Cones is looking very sharp uh, the last two games. You had that big run. And I think I just like the way we put in Buckner. Like, Buckner knows his role is to usually get the points in the red zone, and, like, Cone knows that too. So, like... Cone won't seem to have a lot of touchdowns, but he moves the ball down there. And like that's where Cone made the mistakes early on, like the Cincy pick. The red zone, he's just not as good at the red zone. And I don't think Buckler is good at driving the ball down the field. And so we're utilizing both of them, and now we're actually executing the red zone and scoring a lot of points. And yeah, Kyron is playing out of this world as of late, like 300-yard games in a row. And yeah, I want to say the line has gotten better, but he's also just gotten a lot better. Like He's breaking a lot of tackles, making moves. Uh, and just outrunning guys. He even had that like big punt return too. Uh, one more take though is I want to say good work on the Northern freshmen for coming in. We had three true freshmen coming in on offense in Tyler Buckner, Lorenzo Styles, and Logan Diggs, and they all had pretty good games. Uh, especially Styles with a lot of receiving yards, and Diggs got his first touchdown. One more takeaway though I would say is that defense is definitely missing Kyle Hamilton because we looked pretty bad on defense at points of that game. 
Yeah, I guess. But, I mean, it was good. Notre Dame was still able to pull out a win over a pretty decent North Carolina team. Definitely a good offensive team. So, it was good to see that we could keep up with them on offense. Uh, but the college football playoff rankings just came out. So, we're going to take a look at those right now. Um, all right. So, I got them pulled up. I'm going to go through the top 10 right now real quick. Number one, Georgia. Number two, Alabama. Number three, Michigan State. Four, Oregon. Five, Ohio State. Six, Cincinnati. Seven, Michigan. Eight, Oklahoma. Nine, Wake Forest. And rounding out the top 10, Notre Dame. Starting from top down, I'm not upset with Notre Dame being number 10. I think that's about where I thought they were anyways. Wake Forest made their first top 10 appearance, so that was big. I was going to say, Wake Forest is ahead of Notre Dame. I did not think that going into this year. Yeah, I didn't think Wake Forest would be 8 0. I didn't even think Wake Forest was going to win eight games total, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, they are undefeated, so. Yeah. Oklahoma was honestly my first shocker, though. Like, I really thought Oklahoma was has solidified itself in the top five, especially after Caleb Williams has kind of came in. So I don't know what the committee's thinking uh, in terms of Oklahoma. I guess that close game against Kansas really hurts, though. I think they're looking at, like, the whole year so far. I mean, I would assume, because they are 8-0. and You got a lot of one-loss teams ahead of them. First, I would say, looking at the rest of the teams on the list, Oklahoma does not have a ranked win. And then they struggled to beat Kansas City, Tulane, and Nebraska. So I would say that might hurt it a little bit. They've looked bad at times. I guess for good news for the Oklahoma fans, though, is the committee seems to love Oklahoma State and Baylor, who are number 11 and 12. And Oklahoma still has to play both of them. So they'll get their chances. Yeah, definitely good chances for them to move up. Going further up, uh, I was going to say Michigan, I feel like they could have dropped a little more. I'm not going to lie. I don't think they should be like ahead of Wake Forest who's undefeated or ahead uh, of Oklahoma who's also undefeated. So them at seven is a little shocking. I will say I can see them being ahead of Wake Forest just because I don't think Wake Forest has really played anyone that yeah. the committee considers that good. Michigan does have a ranked win over Wisconsin, who is ranked 21st. Yeah. So, so I guess they have the most impressive victory, but still. Yeah, I would put Oklahoma ahead of Michigan, though. Yeah, that was definitely weird. But again, Michigan, Oklahoma will get its chance to move up the ranking. So I, as a Sooners fan, I wouldn't be mm-hmm. too disappointed. But who I would be disappointed in is if I was a Cincinnati fan because the playoff rankings faded Cincinnati, number six. Yeah, I think Cincinnati got... Oh, they're definitely going to be on Twitter. <laughs> but, okay, where would you put them then? I think I know where I have them. I definitely put them ahead of... Uh, I wouldn't definitely... I wouldn't definitely put them ahead of any of the teams that are ahead of them, though. Like, they're all better, in my opinion. But the only two teams I would say that deserve 100% no question to ask to be ahead of Cincinnati is Georgia and Michigan State. Uh, after that, I feel like Cincinnati is fair game. Like, they could be as high as three, and I wouldn't be too mad. Honestly, I would put Cincinnati at five. <laughs> oh, wow. Because, okay, here's why. Georgia is the obvious number one, right? Yeah. They're the most dominant team. No one has been close. And looking at ranked wins, which I think seems to be like the most important thing, Georgia's beat Auburn and Kentucky. Those are two ranked teams. Bama at number two. They've beat Ole Miss, who appear on these rankings. Michigan State undefeated, and they just had a big win over Michigan, Yeah, who the committee has as a top 10 team, so that's pretty huge. Oregon's got a win over Ohio State, who the committee says number five, so that's a pretty big win. I'll put Cincinnati at five then. I would switch them with Ohio State because Ohio State's biggest win is Penn State, who I don't see them on the ranking. They've dropped out of the ranking after losing last week. So I would bump up Cincinnati one, honestly. 
that does bring up a good point. I just realized, like, I guess Ohio State really hasn't beat anybody that's ranked right now. Yeah, I'm surprised Ohio State's that high. But looking, oh wait, they did actually. They beat Minnesota. I forgot they just quickly they got added to the rankings. Maybe for Ohio State's sakes, but they beat Minnesota first week of the season, which oh. is the number twenty team in the country. So that's probably a quality win. A lot of SEC love. I see they got Auburn, A and M, Miss, Kentucky, Mississippi State, and then the top two, Georgia and Alabama. A lot of SEC love. The SEC has seven out of the top eighteen. And then the Big Ten has six total. Wow. So definitely two conference dominant. The thing about Ohio State, I just realized the last two games of the season are uh, Michigan and Michigan State. So, And then the Big Ten championship. Oh, yeah. So Ohio State's going to get their dubs. I think all three of those Big Ten teams control their own destinies. Because uh, Michigan has their chance to beat Ohio State. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think they're ever going to beat Ohio State. But <laughs> Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, they have their chance. Big Ten, it's wide open. Wake Forest has their chance, I think, if they stay undefeated. It's going to be a stretch, though. Yeah, because Wake Forest can at least win the ACC. That's the issue with Cincinnati. They're starting at 6, and they, like, for the rest of the schedule, they don't really have anything to get them to move up. They just have to hope everyone ahead of them loses and goes down. And for Cincinnati's sake, they have to also hope that Notre Dame stays undefeated the rest of the season. They only have one quality win, that's Notre Dame. And uh, as much as I hate this, but Notre Dame, uh, I gotta say this, but Notre Dame is better than they were during the Cincinnati game. Like, if we play them again, things would be different. Uh, and I think that's why the committee didn't fade Notre Dame so hard. Like, Notre Dame's only real good win now, according to the committee's Wisconsin, but they still put us at 10. So I think committee's seen the improvement. Any more? Oh, Alabama, I forgot to say that. That's crazy, though. I don't understand how they're number two. They have a loss. Like, aren't losses supposed to mean something? Bama, I think Bama's that too, because out of everyone, in this ranking, they've by far had like the hardest schedule. Not by far. I say Georgia's a close second. Well, I mean that's why Georgia's first. No, that's. Well, I mean that's fair, but still, like I feel like Michigan State should at least for now get that get that ahead of them, especially since they have a high ranked win and they're undefeated. I think these first rankings are so important because now, like when you're doing next week's ranking, you're basing it off of where the teams are now. Yeah, you know what I mean. So you can't like like this is where everyone starts and like. I don't know if Cincinnati's going to make the playoffs now. Well, let's see. Between Michigan State and Ohio State, one of them is getting knocked out because they can't both go to the Big Ten Championship. Okay, yeah. And between Georgia and Bama, like Bama could get knocked out. Bama could get knocked out. I don't think Georgia can. No, Georgia can. But Bama could by Georgia. And then uh, Oregon is probably going to win out. I mean, just looking at the Pac-12 itself, uh, I don't see any other Pac-12 teams actually that I think about. Oregon's only one. But the only chaos situation I could see uh, Cincinnati getting in there is... If Michigan State and Ohio State and Michigan, when they play each other, everyone has it with two losses. Or have Georgia beat Bama. Uh, what I was kind of getting at, though, is I still think a Big 12 team, whether Oklahoma State, Baylor, or Oklahoma, will find their way up there, especially since they play each other. Oh. Yeah, the, that's the thing. I think Cincinnati definitely has the least... Um, Hard schedule. <laughs> they have the least room to, to show improvement. Like, because they don't play anyone anymore. And they only played Notre Dame. So them starting at six... It's really hard for them to move up. Like, they can't move up. Everyone else has to drop below them. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, there's nothing they could do. They could literally win the rest of the games 50 nothing. I still don't think the committee would be convinced because they just don't play anybody. And it's not even chaos above them, but they also kind of need some chaos below them too. Because an undefeated Oklahoma definitely passes Cincinnati up, especially when they get those wins. They just need everybody to lose. Wow, it's not looking great for Cincinnati. That's tough. Because if Cincinnati was four, I'd still be a little worried. Where would you put them, did you say? I think Bama should be four. I think Michigan State should be two. I think Oregon should be three. 
Oh wait, no, not Bama four. I think I think Cincinnati should be four. Bama is below them because I think undefeated still means something for now. And then Bama at five and Ohio State at six. The reason I say that for Bama is I don't doubt that they're second best team in the country. They definitely look like it, but they have their opportunities to beat like Auburn and the SEC championship. So they already have the chance to get in. But like this way, it's just basically telling me that they don't even want Cincinnati in. Yeah, that's <laughs> that kind of seems like it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, looking ahead to some games next week. So let's see. This will be a ranked game. Texas A&M versus Auburn. So 14 versus 13. Oh, that's going to be a good one. I mean, they're both 6-2. and two. Whoever loses is going to... I don't know if they're going to really stay in the rankings. Auburn just looks so good recently. So is A&M. I, I mean, after that loss to Mississippi State, they've been... I mean, they even beat Bama. Like, they've been on a pretty good run themselves. I, I'd have to go A&M if I'd make a pick. Really? No, nah, I'm going with Auburn. Ooh. <laughs> we really do picks for uh, college football, but this is interesting. I don't know. Actually, they're both hot. I, I'm so bad at picking college because it's just it's so crazy. No, yeah, exactly. Like even the NFL last week was crazy, but college is way crazier. It's so hard. Facts. No, yeah, you just think you know everything, and then boom, something crazy goes down. But Texas A&M has Ole Miss next week. So you got Auburn this week and Ole Miss next week. That's tough. Ooh, that's a tough two-game stretch. Yeah, there's definitely gonna be some chaos. Actually, I was looking ahead at some of the games next week, and Wake Forest is an underdog going to North Carolina next weekend. Wow. They're not ranked, and Wake Forest is top 10. <laughs> I think that just shows Wake Forest probably beat nobody good, though. Yeah. That would be interesting, though, because if they lose that, I mean, Wake Forest is going to go from top 10 to, like, almost unranked. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be the biggest drop-off in college football. I'm still surprised they're top 10. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Remember what I said? That's like my sleeper. Yeah, that was a good pick, actually. <laughs> so far, it's looking, yeah, not too bad. But yeah. I, I mean, they're 10th they're... in the eight people, too. So For sure. I mean, but I think their uh, Cinderella season is going to come to an end soon. Looking at our teams for next week, since there's not really many top 25 matchups, we got Michigan versus IU. If IU can somehow pull off a an upset there, they're ending Michigan's season. They could end Michigan's season next week. <laughs> exactly. Uh, that would be huge for IU, but I don't see it happening. If it was here in Bloomington, maybe. But it's at Michigan, so. And plus, I think IU, we're on our third straight quarterback now. With Tuttle and Penix gone. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, I think that wraps up college football. Interesting rankings and definitely I did not expect Cincinnati to be that low, Michigan State to be that high. It'll be interesting to see how they move next week then. Yeah, I am actually very interested in the three leagues. Wow. Like the first one obviously, because you don't know where anyone's is, is like the most surprising, but we'll see how they play out. Alright, I think that wraps it up for this week. Thank you for sticking around to the end, guys. Make sure to check out our Twitter, at Crew Sports Pod. And we will see you guys next week.